This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I feel like guys like you, guys like Stuart Scott, guys like Stephen A. Smith were iconic, one of a kind. Do you think that the three of you would have had an easier transition today than you did when you guys started? Uh, I, I would say yes, and the only reason I'm saying yes is because I'm having to keep in mind the digital space that is available now that wasn't available to us. Yeah. The digital space allows a sense of freedom and creativity that wasn't allowed back then, um, where you can create space and not have to deal with the constraints that come with somebody already having a million, a million point five, two million, five hundred thousand, fifty grand invested in whatever you're doing. Hmm. And your own investment doesn't have to be that great. You know, you have more room to be more creative, to try different things. You have more room to fail without the financial backlash of, you know, losing your base income. Or putting, you know, your house up for mortgage or not sending your kids to, you know, schools or whatever now coming into the game than you did when we came along. You know, there was a larger, much larger financial risk, you know, um, back then. So uh, I, I think now, yes, it would have been easy just based on that alone. Scoop B Radio. Talking to Robert Scoop Jackson about the business, about athletes back then and where he is now. Um, You wrote a piece at ESPN.com called It's Time, and you thought that the New Jersey Nets were going to win the NBA Finals in 2005-2006. What did you uh, – say this the nicest way. (laughs) No, say it it the way you mean it. (laughs) Say it, man. Turn, turn, is, off, what, turn, turn, turn what, off the mics, dude. We 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 in Magic City or black, in Atlanta or Black Jacket, Florida. You don't talk to me, man. What's up? Jackson, <laughs> what did your dealer or your bartender give you that made you think that the Nets were going to win the finals in 2005-2006? Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question because it's funny to me. You're asking me great questions that I, I, have, I have some feeling that you did a little bit of research on every question you asked me. I did. Uh, yeah, that's probably why you told me 10.30 instead of 10 o'clock. You still <laughs> 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 You got me. You got yeah, me. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. Game recognized game. I got it. Yes, I got sir. It. Yes, All right. Sir. So, no, so you, you must know the story behind this, right? Okay. No, do you? Do, I'm asking you. Well, I know in 2005, 2006, um, well, I'll take it a step back. I know that back in 1997, 1998, in Slam Magazine, you guys had a cover uh, with Jason Williams, uh, right. Sam Cassell, Cassell Keith, Keith Van Horn, Kendall Gill, 
and Carrie Well, you said right? Champs by 2000. Right, right. And then I know you guys did a follow-up, I want to say 2002, 2003, when you had Tom, I think it was either Tom McCullough or the Kim Mutombo, was Richard Jefferson. Right. Uh, Kerry Kittles, all those guys. So right. I'm guessing maybe that was a follow-up for what you did at Slam. Okay. Wrong. Okay. That's good, though. So you don't know the story. I don't. So when I tell you the story, this is going to make a lot of sense to you why I asked you this. Okay. okay. Here's the true story behind it. It had nothing to do with a bartender. And <laughs> I'm probably, you know what, if, if I do get in trouble for it, forget it, because it's the truth. I ain't going to worry about it. Okay. ESPN, and Stephen A. called me out about this. Like, he had me on his show, like, this one he was doing quite frankly. Mm-hmm. He was like, what the hell is on your mind? <laughs> and I'm sitting there shaking my head and biting my tongue because I can't tell him the truth because it's so in the moment. Okay. Um, basically, the company I work for played me. Okay. I was told by ESPN that they were going to do a story called the uh, – they were doing a feature story on what if. Mm. They were doing an issue. Not feature something. Like they were doing a what if issue, a what if issue. And the whole issue was supposed to be about what if and take some of the wildest things in sports and basically, you know, write stories about what if this happened, this occurred. And my thing was, what if the Nets won the championship? Okay. That was my assignment. That's what they gave to me. So I wrote my piece as that. Come to find out, there was no what if issue. Hmm. They sidebar my story along with the larger cover story of the Nets and made it look like I said, what if the Nets or whatever, you know. My story was supposed to be part of a theme issue that ESPN and the magazine was doing. Right. Now, full disclosure, that was the third time the magazine had played me. And that's, and in my contract for ESPN at the time was to contribute to the magazine. Mm -hmm. And that's when I called John Skipper because they played me twice. ESPN to play, and I'm just getting on to them. I'm a year in, right? And this is the third time they played me. And I told this story to John Skipper. And I told John Skipper about the other two occasions where they straight up played me. And I told him, I said, I will never, ever write for this magazine. Ever. Again. And he said, I agree with you. He, he the president of the company was like, I, you shouldn't have, you, you're, you're fine. Don't worry. We'll still keep, you, keep it in your contract. We'll still pay you as if you did. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, but he, he knew that was straight up wrong. Okay. They, you know, so I thought you may have known that story. No. I, listen, right. <clears throat> I went to school in the Philadelphia area around that time, and, you know, grew, I grew up in both the city and in northern New Jersey, so I'm checking in, to, you know, back home to see what's going on with the Nets. And, you know, obviously at that time they had Vince Carter, Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, et cetera. So I'm like – how are you picking the Nets to win the finals? I, I didn't see it then. <laughs> Even as a guy who, you know, the Nets gave me my first big break, I'm like, I don't think the Nets going to go to the finals, but you know, I respect them. I think that year, what was it, Miami Heat win, or was it the Detroit Pistons and the, and the, and the, and the Spurs, or whatever that year was, but right. it, it, it wasn't the Nets. <laughs> right, 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 right. It wasn't the Nets. And here's the thing. I wouldn't have been mad about it if that's what I really – you know, if I believe that, right. if I believed in what I own it, but the fact that they tricked me into thinking that it was a part of a larger theme package and then singled it out like that, come on, yeah. man. Yeah, that, and, and it still, like I said, that was, four, what, four, how many years ago? 14 years ago? More than 10, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. And I'm saying... You're not the only one that still brings that up. Yeah. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I have to live with that. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm telling you, I don't, I very, I, I think I've only told like two or three people that story. You know, but I don't go into the long soliloquy about all of a sudden the other day. I just be like, yeah, man, I was tripping. You know what I'm saying? But that's mm-hmm. the real truth. You know, that, 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 that's what, and I thought you may have known. I said, you know, no. what, Scoop must have done his research and known the backstory to this story. I took notes. 
But I okay. but, but to me you've always been a complex brother that, that I feel like you know I feel like when you went to ESPN it was like, Okay, this guy came from culture, we had to bring him in, but at the same time, you was who you were who before you got there. Um, right. and that's a that was almost like a you know, like a, a, a to me that's a that's a good thing for culture, but at the same time you don't necessarily know why things happened the way they did and, and you know, it's 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 curiosity that really you know made me want to ask you that question. Right. No. 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 Well, to and to, and to 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 answer what you just threw out there, they came at me five times before I went over there. Mm-hmm. And really, uh, yeah, really, 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 because of just what you said. Because you know, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of things going on, mm-hmm. and you know, and 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 we as black folks have a tendency, man, to really really jump at money. You know, and I've never been that brother. You know, and even though you know they were, they were, you know, there was there was a difference in money, not a big difference, but there was a difference in money. You know, but the one thing I had before I went over to ESPN, I'm saying I don't have it now. I'm saying one thing I did have was freedom. Mm-hmm. And I was working with the NBA, doing both of their magazines. We had Slam, was doing Double XL at the time, and I had a contract doing you know content for Nike. Mm-hmm. You know, and Nike, man, look. When Nike gives you a sense of freedom, they're like, whatever you want to do, we'll pay for. Slam Magazine, Double XL, man, we were coming with ideas. They're like, hey, whatever. You know, basically the same thing. You know, and I'll never forget when they came, ESPN first came to my house when they launched the magazine. They had three of the editors come to my house. And, you know, I cracked a beer and we sat down and said, let me ask you a question. If I wanted to write that I thought Latrell Speedwell was right for choking PJ (laughs) Collison, or could I? They were like, oh, hell no. I'm like, okay, meeting's over. You know, and like, what are you talking about? I said, why, why would I, I got, I'm already operating with spaces that are giving me freedom. Why would I leave freedom? You know, because we're ESPN, they say it doesn't work that way with me. You know, hmm. it, it, it really doesn't. Because I had, to, you know, I was, I was trying to build my little thing going on. But after the fifth time of them coming at me, and they really finally came with something significant. Like I said, they came with column in the magazine, you know, column online radio appearances, television appearances, you know, uh, sitting in on meetings, uh, you know, creating, you know, they came, they came with a full, you know, stock of things. Like, all right, and my wife was like, look, they ain't going to keep coming at you. Don't be a fool. Right. You know, and you keep that in mind. I had, we had done slam for 11 years, you know, done double XL for maybe eight years, you know? And I was like, okay, I can't tell any more Allen Iverson stories. You know, I might as well, <laughs> You know, I'd be stupid to, like, keep turning them down because at some point they're going to say, all right, let's move on, right? Right. But secondly, I wanted to, because I'm still the guy that's not supposed to be there, and because my situation and coming in this game is so unique and it's so culture-based that I'm like, if I don't get in there and at least try to prove myself, that's not going to serve the entire culture well for people who come through it like I have. Mm-hmm. somebody has to get in there at least make an attempt or at least say they were given a chance to do this so that others may have a chance to do that. And so that's what was important in the back of my mind too, is that at least, you know, somebody that came from this type of grind has to show some benefit greater than this mm-hmm. so that other cats can say, Hey man, if he made it there then I got a chance to go higher, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying, and I take and, that and yeah. I raise you this. Okay. I two years ago I interviewed uh, DJ Stretch Armstrong and, and Bobito uh, Garcia, okay. and they did that documentary a few years ago about how much that show influenced culture all the way yes. from you know the East Coast to the West Coast. Yes. Yes. And I asked Bobito this question, and I asked him basically when did he realize that what he was doing was bigger than him, and he was influencing people and influencing young men or women who wanted to do what he did. When did you realize that it was bigger than you and that you were influencing young men or women who wanted to do what you did? Mm, I never thought I was particularly influencing them. I always kept it to the magazine itself and what the magazine represented. And I always thought that was bigger than me because of what the basis of what we were doing and the stories we were trying to tell and the culture we were trying to cover. So I I, I never um, looked at it as just me influencing. You know, I was just... I was really always honed in and tried to stay concentrated in me getting whatever the best out of me is in that moment. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I did always have an idea that, you know, Slam as a magazine, as an entity in sports, as an entity in culture, as in, you know, as an entity in basketball, you know, had had the power and was attaining the power to be bigger than just a magazine, you know, uh, and, you know, and, and you kind of get that as you, you know, live your day-to-day life and cover stories and you see how it impacts and resonates with people. You know, one of the things that we always spoke about in the offices was the problems that vendors, and we're talking about like when we started getting into airports, when we got into airports, that was a big thing. Mm-hmm. But when we started getting into like CVSs and Dwayne Reeds and Walgreens and, you know, shopping stores, when we started getting into those places, that was a big deal. But when we knew it was bigger than us is when those places places kept calling the magazine asking for replacements because people were always stealing the magazine. Whoa. Because they wanted to they, – I know they wanted them posters. Right. They wanted the posters, but they wanted the real <laughs> – like all the other magazines would be cool, but Slam was a magazine that kept getting stolen from these stores. Hmm. So that's when, you know, you start to hear that all the time. Like, oh, this is big. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is bigger than just, you know, this is just, you know, this is it. You know, this is, this is, this is, this is where we're, we're, we're speaking to more than being just a magazine. You know, and you try to, as you get that information, you try to do what you can to maintain that. You know, like, okay, let's, you know, we have to keep doing what we're doing to stay true to that. How much better can we get? How much better can we get? And my thing, like I said, I never put that person on me as being bigger than that. But I did always aspire to, from a craft standpoint, reach a level that I always knew was unattainable. Hmm. Like, I'm like, I want to be, you know, now that I have the closest thing to freedom that I can have as a writer in this space, let me take advantage of it and try to be the Stevie Wonder of journalism, the prince of journalism. Mm-hmm. The Rakim of journalism. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be, you know, Denzel. I'm trying to do with writing what Meryl Streep does with acting. You know, I'm trying to do with my writing what Aaron Magruder is doing with the boondocks as far as comics are concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to have that type of impact. So I don't know if that makes me bigger than myself, but I'm looking at others around me and trying to reach that level of greatness and what they're doing in their creative spaces. That's, you know, that, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do what Nelson George was doing musically as far as writing is concerned. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get to that level. Robert Scoot Jackson on Scoopy Scoop Radio. Scoopy Radio. Basketball. I got to ask this. You covered Allen Iverson for many years, and then comes a guy in Chicago by the name of Derek Rose from the South Side, just like yourself, and he plays for the hometown Chicago Bulls. I've posed this statement a lot. I want to know what you think and tell me why or why not it's true. Two things. One, I believe that Allen Iverson was to Philadelphia where Derrick Rose was to Chicago. I also feel like Russell Westbrook is to Oklahoma City where Allen Iverson is to Philadelphia. What say you? I say a big difference. I say a big difference. I see where you're coming from, and and I think that there's a lot of – Truth to that, and there's a lot of accuracy. Well, not, not me too. There's a lot of accuracy to what you're saying, but I think from a percentage standpoint, I think you're missing the overall impact that Derek had in Chicago because he's from here, and the people you talk about are not mm-hmm. from where they wound up playing basketball at. I see that, and that's where Derek's thing takes on greater, um, greater impact, and he, I, I think his his impact in Chicago was greater than theirs happens to be because theirs is basically surrounding maybe the feel of the city and the identity of an organization, whereas Derek's goes much more than feel. It goes much more than just the organization. It's in the concrete of the city because he comes from this concrete. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we, like people in Philly, 
weren't checking for Allen Iverson when he was in grammar school. Uh-huh. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. People in people in Oklahoma City had no. They didn't give a damn who Russell Westbrook was <laughs> when he was at UCLA. Right. We started talking about Derrick Rose when he was in seventh grade at these. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Cats on the streets like, yo, Pooh. Man, y'all see Pooh? They put his, you know, when his first high school game was switched from a state to, from a gym to the, the Chicago Pavilion. Hmm. And he didn't even play. Mm-hmm. But it was just a fact that the kid that we had been talking about for two years, seventh, eighth grade, was playing his first high school game. In Chicago, you know, so that's so that's what I hear what you're saying, but I think Derek was a little bit different, a little, bit, you know, that impact was a little bit greater because he came from here. Why do you think that people in mainstream media in Chicago downplay Derek Rose so much? That's a good question. That is a really good question. Um, I think. If I have to give you an in-the-moment, quick-thought answer, but looking mm-hmm. back on, on, on why it was, probably because of the shadow that Mike has cast. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think probably because of the shadow that Mike cast. Mike cast, you know, Mike's shadow is huge, man. You know, you know, you don't even know it. You know what I'm saying, Mike's shadow? You know, you'd have to really live here to really, especially at the time, to understand, you know. Um, so I, th- I think, I, let's go back to LeBron. Okay. Um, LeBron didn't play up under any shadow in Cleveland. There was no cash shadow in him in Cleveland. Like I said before, that was his. So when the media wanted to start telling LeBron's story, especially on the local level, it was easy, especially with basketball. No disrespect to Brad Doherty or Mark Price or, uh, you know, um, hell, we, we can go back to, <laughs> you know, we, we, we can go back. Larry man, 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 thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We can go way, way, way back, you know, um, to, to who was balling, you know, with the Cavaliers back in the day. Um and their shadow still wasn't that of Jordan's. Right. It wasn't historical like that. So, you know, could you imagine how the media felt about anointing the Chicago kid in the same arena, mm-hmm. in the same uniform, you know, same organization that, you know, you got to walk past the statue of this dude, like a legit statue. This is before Magic statue, before Kareem statue, before, you know, for all these statues. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm sorry, did they give Michael statue before he even retired? Yep, they did. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. So you get what I'm saying? That's, dude, that, that shadow is large. Yeah, that shadow is large. So I think that's why they were hesitant to, to really like go all in on Derek because it's like, yo, you're never gonna be this dude, you know. And in our minds, you know, it's like the Skip Bayless theory on LeBron James. Like I don't hate LeBron James. I just love Michael Jordan, and there's nothing you could, you know, what I'm saying there's nothing mm-hmm. you could do. You know, it's it's like the old folks talking about Sugar Ray Robinson. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, man, that Ali cat, ah, he's nothing. <laughs> he's nothing. Ain't yeah. nobody sweeter than Sugar you know. <laughs> Sugar mm-hmm. you know, it's like, in some people's eyes, there is never going to be a replacement. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. And I think Derrick Rose was really under that shadow, and he took mainstream media, especially local mainstream media, a long time to even acknowledge this dude, man. Mm-hmm. Long time. You think Carmelo Anthony is going to play in the NBA this season? Nope. Why? Various reasons. Um, I think um, that there is this persona that he is unwilling to change. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's been, been given a fair chance. From Listen, from the outside looking in, I would say I don't know if he's been given a fair chance to prove that he could change. 
not just the way he plays, but how the game is being played right now. Hmm. Um, I think the team that he would be able to play for will is a team that doesn't necessarily need him. He would just be an added benefit. And I don't know if teams want to deal with him as an added benefit because they don't know that they have the room for that. Hmm. I think the fact that he's basically, and my sons argue me about this because they real particular about the nuances of this. A player that is two years removed from playing basketball, they say he's only one year removed. I said he's two. In mm-hmm. the eyes of the NBA, he's been gone for two years. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? So now you talk about a 35-year-old player that's two years removed from playing competitive basketball. You know. Um, three, I do think that he's getting the Colin Kaepernick silent treatment by NFL, I mean, NBA owners, um, in that he, if you really look at it, has been the most visible proponent of change when it comes to social activism in the NBA. Hmm. I'm not saying he's been the most vocal, but he's been the only one that's ever participated in a public march. Hmm. LeBron ain't been out there. D-Wade ain't been out there. D-Rose ain't been out there. Chris Paul ain't been I ain't seen nobody in a march. He's out there in a march in Baltimore with the Muhammad Ali hoodie on. Yeah. Visibility. That's that's putting in groundwork, dude. That's not just mouthpieces. That's groundwork. You out there with the people. And then his ass shows up on ESPN the magazine as a Black Panther. Huh. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm not naive enough to think that that's not playing a role and it's not playing also. And also, I think that, and this is not from the outside looking in, this is from the inside looking in from players that I have talked to, that there's a level of selfishness with him that no team wants to intake. Hmm. You know, that he's extremely, extremely, extremely selfish. And that is, from what I've heard from a few players, is true. And uh, it's unfortunate. And it's what is believed. Because so perception becomes so, reality. Yeah, but I think, look, when when players that are his friends, that do know him, that don't have any beef with him, you know, come to you with that, you know, like, like they're how was it put to me? That he's Kobe selfish in a basketball way? Hmm. But he's not as good as Kobe. Like you have to be as good as Kobe to be that selfish. Gotcha. You have to be as good as James Harden to be that selfish. You you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he's on that level, which is good, but he's not as good as them in bringing that much to the table, so it's a problem. Yikes. When you, you know, the, yeah. Just, no, go ahead. Keep going. No, I'll, I'll say so. I think all. I just want to say, I just put a bow tie on that. Is that I think all of those factors are playing a role. Of why I don't think not only will he not play this year, I don't, I, I don't know if he'll ever get another shot to get in. I really do think this is the basketball version of Colin Kaepernick, but I think there's many other variables, not just one. When you look at the NBA uh, this coming season, obviously Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard joined the Clippers and. Uh, LeBron and last summer joined the Lakers, and then Anthony Davis was traded to the Lakers uh, this offseason. Which team do you like better and why? Okay. You said earlier I was a different guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not trying to be different for the sake of being different. I'm, but I will say this, and hopefully you'll get it and, and respect it, is that I've I'm, I've been kind of shying away from making predictions because of the role injury has played in the NBA mm. over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Over the last five years, and this is no shade against Golden State, you know, because it came back and bit them finally, like last year. Yep. But in the last five years, injuries have played a major role in the entire outcome of not just the playoffs and the finals, but just how the regular season played itself out. Think about the players, the major players in the length of time that have been injured. 
over the course yeah. of the last five years? I mean, you you look at the t- 2015 NBA Finals. I mean, going into the playoffs, Kevin Love got hurt, and then in the finals, Kyrie got Kyrie hurt. Kyrie right. carried that team by himself. Exactly. We wouldn't even be having a Warriors conversation if those guys were all healthy. We may not be. We don't know. We don't see it. We don't. We, we don't know because or, or you look at the, what that held on to that. We don't know if they lose then. If even they, who did they go out and get the next year to try to make themselves better? Kevin Durant. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? But we don't even know if if. Well, I mean, you talk about the year they won. I mean, they won that. I'm talking about the year they lost. I'm talking about the, if they had lost the year before that. Do they even get Kevin Durant? Because now they're going out trying to get somebody a year early, and the next year they couldn't afford Kevin Durant. You get what I'm saying? If 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 Kevin Love doesn't get hurt against Boston, he ain't get hurt. He got injured. That was purposeful. I don't care what anybody said. <laughs> that was that was we we seen shoulders been pulled out before. That was on purpose. <laughs> and right. Tyree breaks his kneecap or whatever. In a game one, if like you said, we may not be seeing the if the Warriors lose that finals because Cleveland is healthy, who do they go out and get in that offseason? Because you know that they're not they got money. Yeah. They had money. They're not gonna wait another year to play Cleveland. They're going out to get somebody right now to beat Cleveland the next year. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If they Get somebody and Cleveland doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Kevin Durant may not ever land in there because they don't because they're a year early going out to get somebody. Yeah. So I'm just saying, just just looking at that those injuries and how that played out just to the future of the NBA. But look at all of the injuries that go along with that. Look at the Clay. I mean, look at the Kawhi Leonard injury. You know, we're talking about the Cleveland. Look at the Kawhi Leonard injury. Mm-hmm. You know, force them to, to force a trade. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Or the way I mean, people do believe it, but the way they were beating um, Golden State in that one game, who knows? Look yeah. at the injuries that Anthony Davis has gone through. Look, we never really got to see Boogie and Anthony Davis and see what they could do. Mm-hmm. You know, man, we could go through so many injuries, man, and just knowing that at the role that they played. So I say that all to say that I've kind of move myself out of looking at what teams are going to look like, who I think is going to be better, without at least throwing a caveat out with who's going to be healthy. No, that's fair. Because you know I'll what tell saying? you, what, I, I think as much as people pay attention to the Lakers and the Clippers in the West, I think what gets lost in translation is how much Utah has improved and how much Portland has improved. Those teams yes. are, are guys that people don't, they sleep on. Yes, exactly. And I just got into a huge argument with my people and I don't want to throw shade to ESPN, but, you know, I don't know if you saw this stat. 538 put out a, a stat that said that the Portland Trailblazers have a 50% chance, no, was it a less than 50% chance of making the playoffs? I disagree. Scoop, I see, that's why I love how professional you are. I love how you can just remove your emotions from that. Like, but, it, but you know, but you here. know, you you know, you want to see that's ape shit crazy. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like is, I can, I can, I know. I you can say, hey, they may not have a chance to make the playoffs. They may not do this. They may not do. But to put out a stat that says they have a less than fifty percent chance of making the play. This is a team that for the last two years have played above their weight class. More than any team in the NBA, outside of maybe the Clippers last year. Yeah, and they went but to the conference finals. And they went to the conference finals last year. Mm-hmm. Now, Nurkic is coming back, hopefully by All-Star game. You get Hassan Whiteside out of Miami with something to prove, in there to hold him down. Rodney Hood got a full season there, outside of just being traded for the uh, – getting in there by the trade deadline, trying to figure out his role. You know, it's like – and the culture is still there. The and culture, you, I, how they play, I'm with you. They got better. They're and I know dangerous. people frown at me, but I think there is something to add, a, 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 a gratis that you should add is they added an NBA champion in Pau Gasol. Veterans mean everything. And guess who's going to be the one to be whispering, well, to be the Hassan Whiteside whisperer throughout the season? Pau Gasol. There it is. Did he have any of that in Miami? 
No. Nope. Different culture, different time in Miami. That's all I'm saying. So I'm like, you know, I'm arguing back and forth with people like, you know, yeah, Portland's. I'm like, you ought to. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at my own network. I'm like, yeah, like, are you serious? Are you seriously going to, you know, put this stat out there? This is ridiculous. I take so, the, I'm I, take, I take the Hassan Whiteside whisper with Pal Gasol and raise you this. Is Al Horford the Joel Embiid whisperer? Yes. Tell me more. But is it going to trickle down to the Ben Simmons whisperer as well? Do you think he so? Has, he, I, I think he has two players that he has to mature. And unlike Hassan Whiteside, he is coming into a situation that is already theirs. Hassan Whiteside is going into a situation that's not his. Right. So therein lies a big difference in that, you know, um, even though Paul Gasol is coming there with Miami, I mean, uh, with, with him in Portland, it's still Dame and CJ's and Terry Stott's squad. That's there. So there's still something that Hassan Whiteside has to respect. Because he's new to this. Hmm. And Joel and B and Ben Simmons, this is their thing. Al has been around a long time, but this is their thing. And that's a different dynamic when it comes to being a whisper in somebody's ear and trying to get them to listen to what you're trying to instruct to them. LeBron James in year two in Miami, it became his team, quote unquote, because Dwayne Wade told him it was such. Right. Would you say that LeBron is doing the same with Anthony Davis in year one? With the Lakers? Mm, nah, I don't think so. I, th- I think I think he's sharing the burden. I don't I don't think LeBron is that dude that's going to pass anything. I think I think LeBron is much like Shaq, and mm. that's why he is as great as he is. He's like, as long as I'm on the court, you know, we can share the space, but I'm not going to hand you anything until I'm out of this game. You know, um, and well, yeah, until I'm out of this game. I don't think you see a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar situation where it's like Magic's that dude, you can have it. You know, I don't think he's with Dwayne Wade. Yeah, yeah, that dude. That you know, I think LeBron is like, look, man, thank you, because now you've allowed me to be the best player that I can. I don't have to carry this load because this is the third. I'm, I'm third. How old is LeBron? 36? Something 34. Like that now? He'll be 35 30, okay. in December. Okay, right. Okay, so this is the really technically the third year in a row that he's had to put a team on his back. Mm-hmm. And especially like what he did, you know, the last couple of years in Cleveland, you know, no disrespect to Kyrie, but mm-hmm. there were so many injuries there. And then, you know, when he got to the playoffs and had to do what he did, that's, you know, especially at last year, there, that's, that's a lot. And then come to LA and all the young fellas there and all the years. So I think that's more of just him like, Hey, AD, you know, this is shared spotlight. Let's do this. Game's going to be easier for me. You know, but I don't think he's going to, like, turn it over to him. Not at all. Not at all. Scoopy Scoop Radio Podcast Radio. on the line with ESPN's Robert Scoop Jackson talking everything NBA. Thank you for staying on so long. A couple more questions with you. Um, no problem. The 2001 NBA All-Star Game was in Washington, D.C., and I remember watching you on camera just vividly talking about the Eastern Conference's improbable 111-110 comeback victory over the West. Uh, for those who don't remember, Yes. Uh, the NBA's Eastern Conference team trailed 95 to 74 with nine minutes left after the West dominated the first 39 minutes behind, you know, its superior size. But Allen Iverson and Stephon Marbury took over that game. Uh, Iverson uh, scored 15 and hit 25 points in the final nine minutes, and Stephon Marbury helped the East by hitting two three-pointers in the final 53 seconds, one with 28 seconds left. Um, Kobe and Bryant. Keep in mind- that's that's the that's the Allen Iverson I saw at the Kenner League. Right. That's the, the that takeover down by that's the exact same Allen Iverson I saw that made me made to call the Slam magazine like this dude's the future. Hmm. But go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're giving context and you're taking me back. I remember I recorded that whole video and I watched it uh, at my parents' house um for a year straight after because it was such a great game. Yeah. In your and Matumbo. And Matumbo. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was the big thing because right after that, He's that's when Philly gets right. That's when Philly got smart and like, yo, we need this dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. In your lifetime, if not the 2001 NBA All Star Game is one of the greatest uh, games actually played, 
in your years covering the NBA, what's a close second? Um, ooh, just game itself, game itself, yeah. game itself, game itself, game itself. Wow, game itself. And you're asking, and I was actually at that game, not TV stuff, right? They're actually Take your at pick. that game. Take your pick. <laughs> All right, I I I I'll give it to you. It it literally has to be, and not that the game was that close, but because of so many and, and the dramas involved in it, was the flu game. I happened to be at the flu game in Utah, and Ooh. because because we were members of the media, and because I was you know being from Chicago and still had close connection to the team, I was privy to how sick Mike really was. Okay, you know what I'm saying. So that wasn't you know, any show that wasn't, you know, Kurt Schilling blood in the sock type thing. That was for real. Like there was no re- way that dude should be playing. And for him to put out that performance, it it, it kind of took over for just being at that game. That's the best mm-hmm. way I could put it. Just being at that game. Um, I don't know if the game was that enthralling, but it was an NBA finals game. You know, and it was Utah, and the game was kind of close, but that performance, that was, that was, it trumps being at that All-Star game. That's the best way I could put it. Just being in that space and knowing that this is something you're never going to see. And then it's Mike, man. You know, no disrespect to AI, no disrespect to Stephon Marbury. And, and like I said, Kobe, Kobe was about to win the MVP that game, right? He had 19 points for the West, and he yeah. and, and they, the West led it by as much as 21 points. He yeah. led the East, the West yeah. scoring in that game. And this is no disrespect to Kobe either, but this is Mike. And you would think that when you're at a certain stature in your career, that at, when you're at that point, when you're at that Michael Jackson apex, when you're at that, you know, when you're at that apex, mm-hmm. when you're there, when, when you are that person, that there's nothing else for you to do. There's you don't have there, there's no further there's no further up that you could go there's there's no more ascension that that's it so to see this is Michael Jordan and this is Michael Jordan as Michael Jordan you know there's no like he's still coming no this is Mike so to watch this dude elevate and do something higher than you ever expected him to ever do and he's already at the pinnacle. You know, no disrespect, like I said, to AI and Steph and Kobe, but that trumps, you know, a great performance and a compelling game and a comeback in the All-Star game. Because this is Mike in the finals, like, on, and I don't want to be so dramatic, say deathbed, but, you know, <laughs> but in a finals, I shouldn't be playing. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't be out here, and I'm still, I'm still, Still giving it to these dudes. You know what I'm saying? I'm still, even when I'm only at my at my worst, I'm still giving it to these dudes. Yeah, and I'm looking at the box score. The, the Eastern Conference squad scored 41 points in the fourth quarter to the West's 21. Man, that's, whoo, that's yeah. They put it on. I never, man. I I never got was sitting baseline with Carmen Romanelli, who was the head of NBA photography at the time, man. And we were like two kids. Like they tell you, Scoop, you've been around this thing for a long time. So you know when you get a media credential, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to clap. You're supposed to, you know, act a certain way. You know, decorum is supposed to set in. You're supposed to be, you know, unbiased. All this other Man, look, Carmen Romanelli and I were down there like literally. We were ground level sitting on the floor like kids. Do you understand? Like kids. <laughs> like yeah. kids, it was it was it was it was fun. It was really 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 fun. Last question. Well, actually, I have two more questions. First question. Okay. I feel like in '79, obviously Magic and Bird rescued the league. They say um, Michael Jordan took over in '91. Michael retired. At some point, Allen Iverson filtered in. And Tim Duncan had his run as well. Yes. People don't yes. give him his credit. Yes. And Kobe yep. did his thing and Shaq did his thing. It seems that it's LeBron's league. Who runs it when LeBron retires? That's a good. Who runs it when LeBron retires? Uh, okay. Now he's too close because 
Steph's going to have like an era like the Tim Duncan era was going to be quiet because it's going to be eclipsed by LeBron the same way Tim Duncan mm. is by, you know, by Kobe's. Yeah. You know, in Allen Iverson's, we forget what Tim actually did, you know. Um, and I think Steph's going to fall into that same category. <sighs> Man, who's going to – you know what? I'm not giving it to anybody yet. I'm going to say that we haven't seen that person yet. You think so? I think we'll. I think there will be somebody. You know, there'll be a few somebodies that'll do it. But that one person that's going to uh, like come in like Zion and then do 15 years at that level. I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be Zion. I'm not sure. You know. Um, but I don't think we have seen that player yet. I, I, I don't think that next player we've seen yet. Hmm. I don't I don't think because everybody I want to mention that I think has the ability to do it, like if LeBron retired in two years, it's going to take you tell me if I'm wrong, it's going to take eight to ten years of like solid basketball for us to anoint that person is that next legitimate yeah. his and is it so the people that I think have the ability to do it have already probably got seven to eight years in the Dame mm. Lillard the Steps you know what I'm saying KD the KD exactly the KD is like the cats who could really do it post LeBron because they'll still be playing when LeBron retires the Anthony Davises you know what I'm saying he'll be done and they've already got too many years in the league and you know, I I I think you know Donovan Mitchell is special, and I look, forgive me for my ignorance. Please let me throw Kawhi in there <laughs> in that conversation. Right, right, right. No, no, we we talked about KD and Steph and Dame Lillard and all the other cats, and didn't even throw Kawhi in there. He should be at the top of the list. But those players, they're in the middle. They're in a hybrid situation that when LeBron retires, they're not gonna have enough time to carry an entire era and be giving it to them. They're, they're too already long tooth in the league, so um, I can't I can't think of anybody right now that I think you know has that power to live up to that because I think it's going to be a player that much like Allen Iverson, you know, you weren't expecting him to do that. Much like a Kobe Bryant, like we didn't we just didn't see him coming. Um, if we were paying close attention, we would have seen Steph coming. Hmm. But a lot of us weren't paying attention because we didn't think he could do it. We were looking too much at the pedigree. Nah, he didn't go to a big school. He didn't play that much competition. He's too small. He's not a point guard. He's too small to score. You know, all this other stuff we were looking at. We we should have seen him coming, and we didn't. And we should have and 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 we should have known that between Kevin Durant and Michael Beasley, Kevin was going to be the one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just the same way in looking at. Allen Iverson and Stephon Marbury, we should have known AI was going to be the one. I can yeah. say all that to say I don't know who I can see right now that, let me see, LeBron retires probably in about two, three years. Mm-hmm. Or, or, his kingdom, or his kingdom, he's stepping down off the kingdom. So <laughs> we're talking about maybe 10 years from now, mm-hmm. whose league is it going to be, who's going to be that next generational player. I don't think he's in the league yet. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go another step further. I'm going to mess your head up. It might not be a he. Yeah. It might be at that time where we see the Serena Williams of basketball. Somebody yeah. that's better than Maya Moore. Somebody that's better than Donna Rossi. Better, somebody that's better than, well, Brianna Stewart is still early, so it may be her. You know what? But somebody, you know, on that, Brianna, somebody better than all of the greats that are currently playing in the WNBA now. You know, it's somebody that, that is on, you know, Elena Deladon's path that that next great generational player may not be a dude. Hmm. It may yeah. be like the Serena Williams. We may see. It may be a female. Scoopy Radio with Robert Scoop Jackson talking all things. We have been on the phone for almost two hours. We're going to break this podcast into two parts. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening now, you're in part two. I tell you, people, I, I talk a lot, man. I, I can say I'm, I'm, I'm an ish extraordinary talker. <laughs> <laughs> we have that in common. Last question. You 
was groundbreaking and trendsetting and your work with Slam, um, you know, meshing the culture with the game. Who is the next you in the next decade? Wow. Um that's a ooh, 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 ooh. Um, I would I would I would say this. Does it have to be in writing, or could it be in another form of communication? It's sure well. We just live in it. Um, y'all living? Y'all paying rent? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually think, and this is not. I'm not putting myself on these individuals' platform because I think they're much larger than I am, but I am putting my age at the front of this conversation, and I'll say that they're doing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's to answer who's next, I, I think they're living and breathing right now. And and it goes to the uh, Kendrick Lamars, the Donald Glovers, the um uh 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 oh god i can i can mention um Brian Coogler's mm. the Van Joneses um you know the the younger individuals that are using other forms of communication to tell our stories be unapologetic about telling our stories um being unafraid to tell our stories and doing it at a level that continues to push the genre forward, because that's all I've tried to do. And you know, the individuals like that are still doing it by virtue of the craft. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you look at Kenya Barris and what he's doing. You know, through television with with Blackish, with Grownish, with Mixedish. You know, telling his story. You know. Um, just looking at the guys that are telling stories now, telling black stories and, and, and being upfront about it. You know, hell, Kendrick alone. You know, just just Kendrick alone, man. You know, and hell, Donald Glover, come on, man. You know, so those are the ones I think, you know, and like they're way larger than I ever could have imagined, you know, myself or my career ever becoming. You know, but me being, you know, a generation older than them, you know, I I would like to arrogantly and ignorantly at the same time think that I laid some type of groundwork, you know, for them to, you know, feel free to do their thing, to find freedom, you know, in their in in their creative existence. You know, and freedom is a hard thing for us to come by in any industry, especially when it comes to creativity. And to find a mass audience that to continue to do so and build a career off of that. You know, and not that he's much older than me, but I damn sure looked at Spike Lee and used him as a muse. I could tell. You know, seriously. You know, um, and, and I've tried to be better at writing than he has been in filmmaking, and I haven't lived up to that, but I damn sure tried. But he gave me a vision. He gave me something to try to try. Hmm. You know, and, you know, you, you look at what Muhammad Ali was able to do. You know, and he functioned from a sense of freedom. You know, and not that Spike Lee was boxing. You know, not that Nelson George when he was writing was boxing. Not that what I was writing, I was boxing. You know, not that when, you know, Prince was doing music and when Teddy Riley was creating New Jack City. You know, not when Molly Wall was producing everything from, you know, Eric B. and Rakim to LL Cool J. You know, not when Prince Paul was doing his thing, you know, or De La Soul or Tribe Called Quest. None of that, the whole movement of hip-hop, not when they were doing their thing. They weren't boxing, but there was Ali in all of us because he operated with his creativity, with a sense of freedom mm-hmm. and was unapologetic about it. You know, it was Malcolm X's voice. You know, so who was the next Malcolm X? All the people I just mentioned were the next Malcolm X hmm. because they, they, they functioned through a sense of freedom. Through black creativity and freedom. So I, I say that in the same way is that, you know, you, you think that what you do when you do have a sense of freedom and you try to create content and be creative in a sense of freedom and do it at a high level, you know, and try to, you know, continue 
the legacy of the craft, not of you, but of the craft that you're in so that other black people can see a sense of greatness within you that they have in them and bring that out of them that continues the legacy, that's what makes you believe that, or makes me believe that what I've done, you know, um, to answer your question, the next are already around because, like I said, the generational difference between the Kendrick Lamars, the Donald Glovers, the, you know, um, whatever, it's, 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 it's there because they're younger than me. And I think I function, if they, even if they know who the hell I am, you know, I function with a sense of freedom that has allowed them to be comfortable in being free themselves. If that makes any sense. It does. It makes sense. Yeah. You beat two hours by seven minutes. Ah. <laughs> the over and under of it all. Ah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Robert Scoop Jackson joins Scoop Scoopy Radio, Radio today, sir. Uh, an honor to have you on. You're someone who I, you know, read as a kid. And, um, you know, you and I met in the locker room, at, at, or rather in the media room in 2014 at the Barclays Center at the draft. And I met you, and I bumped into Isaiah Thomas that same day. And you two are lifelong people who are resources to me and, you know, have always made themselves available to me. And I appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate you, too. And that's funny because you putting a bow tie on this because that was my hero coming up, one wow. of my heroes. And he's not that much older than me. Wow. And that's the thing is that being in Chicago, like he was Derrick Rose before Derrick Rose. Hmm. You know, being that kid from Chicago, going to Indiana, if he had played for the Bulls, it would have been a whole other thing. <laughs> but, he had, but he had to go and say Detroit. But the funny thing about it is that in high school, he was two, he's two years older than me. I never knew Isaiah Thomas. Never knew him. Met him as an adult. But the same thing you're telling me, I told him, like, dude, you are my hero. Wow. You know, you, you, you never understand the power you have over individuals, you know, just for being who you are. You know, and he is such, uh, you know, he's, he's still to this day, man. Even though he's only a couple years older than me, he's still a hero to mine. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's interesting that you, you know, you met him and bumped into him the same day that you met me because that's a guy that, I, you know, Part of my life has been patterned after, you know. I've, you know that that he's been that dude for me. And he grew up with my stepfather. They're both from the West Side. Oh yeah, man. Like you said, you got that West Side dude. I used to look. Isaiah Thomas's older brother. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, cause my mother worked on the West Side, so I was over there every day. Mm, wow. I watched his older brother do something I had never ever seen before. Huh. Now we always talk about Derrick Rose. Isaiah Thomas was like the first one that got protected. Like they was, it was known that his older brother, you could not touch him. Like he was gonna be the one that you ain't gonna mess with this kid. He ain't gonna get caught up in none of this drama out here. Don't <laughs> mess him. He got a few. He was protected. Right. He was the first one. And Derrick, Derrick, Derrick came along and saying like, ah, no, no, he's good. He don't, don't, you know, no, he's he's saving all of us. Let him go. You know, Isaiah Thomas's brother. I watched him. Uh, right across the street from Austin YMCA at the courts out there. I watched him hit a dude in the jaw and break his leg. <laughs> wow. Playing basketball, got to argument, hit the dude in his jaw, and he fell and his leg broke. I had never seen that before. Saw that as a kid. Wow. <laughs> wow. But you know, as I know, baby, that's that West Side for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, it is. It is, brother. It is. Scoop, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate you. Anytime, man. Thanks for being so. Thanks for allowing me for being so long with it, man. So you hey, know, look. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you got to chop this up into a, a, a documentary, but you know. No, no, no. But here's the thing: it's worth it. And I tell you what. Um, when we talked earlier today, when you called me, we were trying to get all this done in a half an hour. Ain't no way in, ain't no way in heaven. <laughs> so, you, you believe you be. This was meant to happen the way it was supposed to happen. That's the, the that's that that's that's the media guys looking out for both of us, saying, yep. you, know what, you two brothers, if y'all share names, y'all got to sleep, spend some time together. You know it. You know there it. There it is. Scoop B Radio. Oh my God. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.